0: Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court and CPS issues. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, and today I have two guests. I have um, Sheila from Ireland as well as Brian O'Sullivan from Ireland as well. I'm very happy I'm very happy to have these guests on. They have a lot to teach us about what happens with family court over there in Ireland and parental alienation. So um, uh, there's also a YouTube video out there called Irish Mother's Story of Parental Alienation. And it's eight minutes long, if you want to check that out. So I have Sheila, and she's going to tell us her story. And however she wants to start it, that is up to her. So welcome to you, Sheila.
1: Good morning, Marianne. Um, uh, pleasure. Uh, the weather's not so good here. I don't know what the weather like is over there, but it's quite cold here so how do we start okay we all meet we meet this man of your dreams woman of your dreams fall in love and or not and have a baby um so in my circumstances i met somebody a long time ago and i got married and strangely enough when i was getting married on the morning of the wedding i said to my father i can't i don't want to go through with this And he was like typical Irish. uh, Oh, well, what what would the neighbors be saying now if you were to pull out of this now? So in hindsight, looking back on it, I should have ran. But then I wouldn't have had my beautiful daughter. So I got married and the relationship was um, strange from day one. He would have been um, a person that I wouldn't have much in common with um, in the sense that he had OCD and everything had to be in a particular place. Um, What springs to mind to me is one of those movies with um, Julia Roberts in it, where she was living with this man. That was really kind of my life, but she didn't have the baby. So everything had to be in a row and everything had to be perfect. And if the child's dodie fell on the ground, you um, would call it a pacifier, fell on the ground, um, um, I would naturally pick it up, suck the dodie, and give it back to the child, whereas he'd have to have it in isolation and he would have to have it sanitized to an inch of its life. Um, so normal mammy stuff, um, I was self-employed um, with a very, very good business um, I would have been the higher earner in the relationship. Um, so my one child and the marriage was like just failing completely. Um, I probably was part of that reason because once I had my daughter, I didn't care for him or anything was the world was all about her. So move forward. She's, two years of age i am not able to cope with his carrying on Um, i give him an ultimatum things may change or look at i'm gone and in ireland we're talking a good 20 years ago um or more Um, divorce was like kind of a taboo thing because you got married in the catholic church and you stayed married so um I was my grand aunt was um 89 years of age and she had said to me, Look at you're an independent woman, you're well able to look after yourself and the child, and um, don't set up for any hardship. So I was like, Yeah, you're right. Uh, my own mother had passed away when I was nine, and um, so there was no mother there for me. So I had to be, wanted to be, needed to be, the mother that I never had. So I would have been very much all about the child. I um, didn't want to have another child um, um, because of the situation. And I never really wanted to have another child with anyone else either, because it was just me and her as far as I was concerned. So we separated um, after a good few rows. Um, we separated. Um, we, I didn't need maintenance because I was self-sufficient. Um, he on the other hand um, wouldn't have had as good a job as me um, um, his parents would never have owned it their own house so I suppose owning a house was a big deal for him. Um, so we separated and we were building a house at the time, we had had two houses sold and the new house was starting to be built so we were living in rented accommodation. So he moved out, the police came, took him. I didn't put in any domestic violence or anything like that. I was happy just to be gone rid. And then he was seeing a girl, he started seeing a girl. I was glad it left me alone. Um I had made arrangements with him for to see my daughter like every second weekend, one night during the week if he wanted to call, pick her up and uh, to try and keep it as normal for her as possible so things started getting a little bit out of control um, everything was going fine for about a year and a half um while he was in a relationship with this lady and um there was no court order there was no courts there was none of that um then um i met somebody and once i met somebody that was a problem um, so i started um getting like random text messages and all of this going on and, and then he took the child didn't return or told me he didn't have to there was no court order in place i had to go to court it took they went in an emergency application it took seven days to get in um at that point my daughter was returned to me and i was given full custody of my child at that stage Then there was issues around dropping her back to school and all of that, and it just started getting messier and messier and messier. So I decided, look, I'm getting rid of my business, I'm going to sell the house, I'm going to move away. Um, So the court ordered that the house would be sold. I did offer him money first, and he wouldn't accept the money that I had offered him. So when he didn't accept the money, I said, well, I can't have him coming out around where I live because we live in the country. Can't have him coming out all the time, harassing me constantly, coming into my business, coming into my place of work, bringing the guards into my place of work. It was a nightmare, Marianne, absolute nightmare. Um, Thankfully, I was working for myself. I didn't have to answer to any bosses. But then I said, my staff was involved you know, the staff were being harassed. There was an awful lot of stuff going on. So I said, clean slate, move away, um, and that's that. In Ireland, at that time, it took five years to get a divorce. Um, It has changed now, but you had to be living separate for the previous five years before you could get a divorce. So I move on, get a new house, move, uh, as soon as I did that, then it just got worse. I should never have moved. Once I moved, the issue became access. I wasn't denying him access, but he was saying I was denying him access. Um, my daughter was getting that bit older and um, she had started in her new school. He said I wasn't giving her access, but yeah, he was able to drive to her new school and not bother contacting her when she lived literally three minutes from her school. Um, So this continued anyway, a bit of hassle was going on, you're not giving him access. And I would just write back the letters to the solicitor saying I have turned up for access, I have spoken to the police, he wasn't there. He would say the dates were mixed up. I would say, no, the dates weren't mixed up. So this was going on for quite some time. Then my daughter um, didn't see him for about, I'd say, five, six months um, because he hadn't come to pick her up. Um, And um, then out of the blue, it was coming up to St. Patrick's Weekend. And out of the blue, I got a message saying, um, uh, can I see our daughter um, for the uh, Patrick Weekend Easter holidays? So I was like, yeah, that's not a problem. Will you pick her up? He said he would. I said, where are you pick her up? I'll pick her up from school. I dropped her to school that morning, Marianne, and that's the date of my life absolutely turned on its head. Whatever um, position I had up to that stage, it was gone at that stage. I dropped her to school that morning. I said, your daddy's going to be picking you up. I given her a bag with all her bits and pieces. I said, have fun. You're going to be waiting for a few days. I had no fears that he was going to do anything to her. He was a good daddy as far as I was concerned. Um, I knew that he wouldn't slap her. I knew that she would be fed. I knew she would be well looked after with him. the issues were with me and him, not with the child. He was always good to, to our daughter. So, um, she waved goodbye to me that morning, Marianne, and that was, you could say it lights out for our relationship. Um, I got a text message um, off, her, off of him asking, could she stay a little longer? I said, um, yeah, okay, she can stay another few days because we would have had two weeks off for that term because Easter and Patrick's weekend kind of fell together. So on Easter Sunday morning, I pick up the phone and I ring my daughter. I ring his phone. She didn't have a phone. I ring um, uh, my daughter and um, she comes on the phone and I says, 'Well, well, honey, how are you? And she was like, am just fine. And I said, um, did you get loads of Easter eggs? And she went, no, and I she didn't get loads of Easter eggs. I'm sure you did. There's loads here waiting for you. And next thing the phone hung up and I didn't see her, I couldn't get her back. So I had, I, oh yeah, she had said to me, all right, would I, could she stay till the end of Easter holidays? I said, no, you need to spend a week with mum." So I said, you have to come home. So next thing she was due to come home and she never came home. And um, I had to contact the police um, um, in the area where they live. So when I contacted the police, they contacted him and he said, well, there's no court order in place. Um, My daughter is in severe risk with this woman. She has been abusing um, my daughter and she's not going anywhere near her. So... I had a court order and I went back and I looked at the court order and I rang the solicitor and all there was nothing anybody could do Um, and I said no so I got in my car and I drove up the road which would have been about an hour and a half's drive I drove up with my court order I went into the police station I said this is my court order I want my child back she's due to start school and um, um, she was due to start school um, uh, today um, I said he's had her since the day, be- two days before St. Patrick's Day and I said I want my daughter back and um, they said we will we'll ring him and we'll see what the story is so they rang him and he said that the child was in one location and the police said to me well you come with us and we'll go and we'll get your daughter now, it took a long battle with the police to get them to even do this. Um, they were saying, you have to go back to court. I said, look, at, she's gone two weeks now at this stage. And I said, she's due to be back in her school. Um, I'm not leaving here without my child. And I went with the police and where he had said the child was going to be, she wasn't there. He had taken her. He had told the police that she was at a creche we went to the crash, and she wasn't at the crash. and the people in the crash said that she had gone to the social services. So that would be the child protection um, unit. I don't know what she called them in America. Um, but yeah, so she was in the uh, social services where the children go when there's domestic violence or if there's something happening with kids. So I went there and um, my dad came with me at this point. Um, I went in and my beautiful um, seven and a half, eight year old is standing there looking at me. Actually, sorry, she was eight. Um, She's looking at me and she's saying, I don't want you. You are mean to me. You are cruel. Uh, You have abused me. I am in fear of my life. And I'm there looking, Marianne, with my mouth open, where is this coming from? And I said, sweetie, why are you speaking to me like this? And she continued to say, I'm in fear of my life. I am not safe with you. And the social worker said to the father, "Um, why are you allowing your daughter to speak to her mum like that? Um, stop it, stop at this minute. And the young one just kept going going on screaming and roaring, I'm not going. She started shaking, she started crying. Um, she was pulling away from me and lying into him. So I got my dad to come in. So the, the the social work department got the father to leave and my father to come in, so the child's grandfather. So when my daddy came in, he was talking to her. She was the only grandchild for many, many years. There was a small new grandchild after being born that she was only a baby and this lady was spoiled rotten by her granddad so granddad comes in anyway softy softy and she talks to granddad and she says i'll go home with you granddad but i'm not going home with her and daddy said well now you have to go home with your mammy and he says like your mammy's very good to you and you know where's this coming from and she kept saying i don't want to talk about it, granddad i don't want to talk about it So the police came back in and they had contacted the social workers where I lived and they had told the police that they had no concerns with the parenting of the child with myself. So the child then um, started screaming and the guards had said, the police had said, we are taking um, the child away and we are returning her back to her mother where she is meant to be. And of course, he started screaming at the police, if anything happens to my child, I'm going to hold you responsible. And I'm just standing there. I'm wondering, where is all this coming from? So the child then comes out of the car and she got into the car with my father and myself. And within, I'd say, four minutes, she was back to normal. Um, it was like... She was giving me dirty looks, but I didn't say anything. I let daddy take over and daddy was keeping her all entertained. And we said we'd go to my sister's house where the new baby was. And she loved the new baby. So that was kind of like, you know, on the way home for me as well. So we called to my sister's house where the new baby was. And it was like nothing had ever happened. Um, she wouldn't come back to my house unless my dad came. Now, my dad self-employed as well. So he left his work and he came down with me to where we lived and now he was devastated that we moved in the first place but he understood that I couldn't live a normal quiet, peaceful life with my ex-husband the way things were happening. So my dad comes down and then my daughter starts telling me that our dogs are not purebred and they're awful dogs. She tells me that my car is rubbish Um, I should drive an Audi. Um, she tells me that, you know, I'm fat, you're, you're fat, you're ugly, you're old. Um, all of this stuff is coming out of her mouth and I'm like, where is this coming from? And she, everything that I had, everything I did was negative. I was telling her lies all the time. I was mean to her. I was child abusing her by making her, um, tidy up her room, empty the dishwasher and hoover the sitting room once a week. Um, so I was the really, I was the really bad mother and I just couldn't understand where this was coming from. So, We were due in court in two weeks, um, which would have taken us up to the 7th of April. Um, So on the 7th of April, I go into court and it's in the lower courts. So um, we're in the circuit court um, in the local area to where I used to live. And when we're in the circuit court, um, my barrister comes over and hands me a, a file and says, I can't there given what's in this. And I said, I don't know what's in it. And he said to me, do you know this person's name? I said, I do not. I never heard that person before. And he says, well, he has a lot to say about you. So I was like, um, okay. So um, my partner and my sister was there. And we opened the thing and we were reading it. And it was absolutely horrific. So on the time that, so given that my ex hadn't seen his daughter in a couple of months, he used the time that he had with her back in, uh, in Patrick's weekend to take her to another city um, to be interviewed by a child psychologist, whom interviewed her without my consent nor knowledge, My daughter came back and never said she had been there. Now I had to, in Ireland on Patrick's day, everything closes down and it's a bank holiday weekend if it falls on a certain day. So they actually got to see the professional on the bank holiday weekend, which is like nobody in Ireland. We all just have a party. Um, But he managed to get this professional, alleged professional, to do this report on those days. So... When I'm in court, I see that the report is done on the 18th of, or sorry, the 19th of March. And um, in the report, it talks about how I'm abusive to my child, how I abuse her, um, the things I do to her, um, the things I don't do for her. I put her standing outside the door of the house in the nighttime in the dark on her own with no shoes on. I scream at her constantly. Um, I don't give her the food that she likes. Um, I am like the worst person you could ever read on paper. And that was from my daughter and from my ex-husband. His conclusions and his recommendations was that I would only see the child every second weekend and she would reside with her father, Um, which was astonishing because if I was the person that he had portrayed me in this report, he shouldn't have been giving me any access to the child, Um, which was very strange indeed. If he believed that I was the things that he wrote I was he would have said no access at all. This woman is um, clearly a danger to this child. It continued on anyway, more, um, we call it verbal diarrhoea is what it was. Um, And half a page of about what um, um, my ex said, and there was like four or five pages about how bad I was. Um, So I, I, I couldn't understand this. Of course, I didn't know how the legal system worked at this stage. So I was green. I didn't actually know anything. So my barrister was like really taken back by this and he thought that he had a monster standing in front of him as well. So I had said to him, well, when the child returned back to me between now, between Easter, when the Easter break happened, when the police brought her back to me, social workers from our local area were out and they would have done a report on what they saw when they came to the house. I said, so it's important that we get them and we get them immediately. So when we went into court, the judge said, okay, we'll leave it tomorrow, let the social workers come in with their report. Um, So the social workers arrived the next day with a somewhat trying to get a report. Um, By the time the social workers got there, the solicitors and barristers were all in place. As I was walking in, the social worker handed me the report and said, give that to your barrister. I gave it to the barrister sitting in there and his thing was, I couldn't open that. I couldn't use it because I didn't know what was in it. And I said, I didn't know what was in it, but I was happy enough for you to open it because I knew what they were going to be saying was okay. So they they didn't use the social work report. They used the report of the man who never met me who didn't know the colour of my eyes, who never spoke to me, who didn't have my consent to interview my child. It proceeded, the judge that was there was a sitting-in judge, it wasn't the judge that would have dealt with the matter before. And the judge took it as literally, everything that was in it, I was, I did, I said. He then said, I'm giving you access to your daughter um, every second weekend. Um, and of course I was—I couldn't believe it. Um, I couldn't believe it because I was a good person, I was a good mother, um, her schools would have said that, um, the school in which my daughter went to, I went to that school as a child myself, so the teachers there would have known me from the time I started school to the time I left school. And um, the principal um, that was there when my daughter was there, that principal would have been um, my third class teacher when my own mother was killed in a car accident. So like there was a long history of people that knew me. Um, and I had um, business in the area for 19 years at that stage. Um, so I was a local businesswoman and my name now was being absolutely dragged through the muck. And it was it was like, I suppose, about four or five weeks before I actually realized that this man couldn't have interviewed my daughter. Um, I said to the legal people, you'll have to appeal this to the high court. They told me about the cost involved. I told them that I'd sell my body. To go to the High Court um, for my child. So it went on and on and on. And then we had, the, when the social workers' report came in and said that I was actually um, a good mother and that they had no issues or cares or concerns, they said absolutely not, time has passed. I had said that if you give me access for the weekends, I said, um, it'll never happen, he will never give me my daughter. I said, and another part of that was, if you think I'm such a bad person, couldn't I do all of those bad things to her when she's with me on the weekends? No, there was just no talking to anybody that was dealing with it. Appealed the decision to the High Court, um, about six, seven more reports were done, um, They they got an independent report done, I had to wait a full year for that report to be done. And when the report was done, the man that did it came to court. And at that stage, I had no more money to be handing out. I had spent eighty-eight thousand euros at that stage. And the judge said to the man um, that um, was there that did the report, "Well, you know, what's your qualifications?" When he read his recommendations, and his recommendations was that the child be returned back to me immediately. Um, then the judge said, well, what's your qualifications and who got you to do this report? And I had to stand up and I said, you did, Your Honour. You're the one who chose this man, not me, not the other side. You were the one that put this man forward. Well, I'm not happy with his qualifications. After waiting a year, Marianne, I waited a solid year for this report. Yeah, and I waited, well, I waited six months for the report and six months to get into court. And um, the judge just, you know, just dismissed it and they wanted another report. Now I was beside myself. Um, I ended up taking a nervous breakdown. I was exhausted from everything. And my business suffered, my life suffered. I wasn't able to function. And again, I still hadn't seen or touched my child. And in her bedroom, her pillow would have been there. Everything was the way she left it. The smell of her hair was gone going off to pillow at that stage, and I was left with nothing.
0: I'm so sorry. Your story Uh, almost, it's almost like mine, but I mean, yours, it shows some type of collusion between uh, what was the judge doing?
1: (laughs) Well, strange that you say that, Marianne, every time I would go into the local courthouse, there would be a list and the, pli- the police would always come in when my case was being heard. But on other cases, they wouldn't be in. And this particular day when I was going in, my name was on the list and it was highlighted in pink marker. And I asked the guard, why was my name highlighted in pink marker? And he said, cause you're special. And, um, I said to him, that's most unusual. Um, and the judge treated me absolutely awful. And I hired another solicitor from a different, we call it a different county, would you would be different state. And that solicitor said he would take on the case. And he sat down with me and we spent hours. He was excellent. He gave me night time. We went, I went there at night time. It was so complex. He needed to know it. But I had known every document that was in it. And when he put the case together and he put it into court, um, he said to me, I can't do this. The the legal people that you're up against, they're unethical. I can't deal with this. I'm sorry to let you down, but I can't, I can't face up against these people. So I had to face up against them people on my own. And he told me that when he took on my case, that the solicitor on the other side had told him that I was dangerous, I was mad, I was psychiatric, I was all of the above. And when I'd go into court and if I was upset, so say I went in in the beginning and I was upset. When I'd go in in the beginning and I was upset, they would say, you're mentally unstable. Um, and I hadn't touched or felt or touched my child. that I loved, breastfed, looked after. Um, indulged. She was in Disneyland eight times before she was nine years of age. She was an only child. She did the best of everything. No was never an answer for me and I I mean looking back maybe I should have said no more often but um, everything that I represented was wrong. So if I cried I was mentally unstable. If I didn't cry I was hard and cold. so it didn't matter what I did. Um, I was damned if I did and damned if I didn't. So um, I was getting nowhere with it and um, um, I had a video of the child when she came back to me between the time of court and we were at the beach and she was hugging me and kissing me and loving me. So it was very contradictive to what was written in the reports about me. And it was time-stamped and dated. And I said, I'd bring this to court and let them look at it. And they said, oh, show the legal people. So I showed the legal people. And when legal people saw it, when I went back in, the judge said, I'm sorry, I'm not qualified to look at it. And I was like, it's just a video. Um, you don't need qualifications to see pure pure attachment, pure love, um, like, what are you on about? You told me. So when he, he said no, of course I lost it. I told him he was a male chauvinistic pig. He was this, he was that, he was the other. I was really, really angry. So yeah, I was probably a little bit Lula that day, but I came out, gathered my thoughts. I said, I can't do this. I have to research this. This is very strange people in the local area um that knew me knew that there had to be something strange, then you'll get people that know you yeah, and want to be fickle and they will think, oh God, yeah, she must have done something. Sure, no mothers, um, especially in Ireland, because like we're way behind every other country when it comes to stuff like this. Um, oh sure she had to have done something, you know, nobody would take a child from a mother. Um, and then I had to walk around or drive around with people pointing the finger at me. And eventually I was like, "Well, you know what? They don't actually matter because I know the truth and people who really know me know the truth. So it doesn't really matter what they say. So I went on anyway and went looking and I got this doctor in, in the UK. Um, and he, he, he was an expert in parent alienation. Got him. He came over to, I, I had to apply to the court for his testimony to be taken into consideration. He came over and the judge um, looked at his evidence and he did a lie detector test on me. Um, he didn't get to me with my daughter or my ex-husband, but that day in court was to ask that my daughter see him and that my ex-husband would see him. So they said no to that as well they and like he was independent he was from the uk different different island altogether. um he had significant research on parent alienation um now we're talking 14 15 years ago so it would have been a new thing in ireland at that stage um So he he put forward a good, strong argument. He said, what was the ingredients that needed to happen for this to happen and that the child should be returned to the healthy parent. And the healthy parent is the parent who would foster a relationship with both parents. So they said, no, they said he was too old. So back on the merry go round again, they then ordered the person to do the report. So the next person did a report and um when the next person did the report now we're talking like five years now at this stage so we're talking all her baby dolls we're talking all her clothes we're talking her room we're talking everything that was that child is now going to be completely different i don't know this child i haven't seen her um it just like it just went on and on and on and on so we go to court again we get a different person to do it The different person gets the order and uh, we have to attend him so we attend him and in the court thing it was like that i was to receive a letter every month telling me what the child was into and what was her favorite things at that point so i got the letter and it was in one handwriting the first month then it was in a different person's handwriting the next month. So every letter I got was different. Now, in that last court date, there was an order made that any presents that I sent to the child were given to the child. I used to send stuff by registered post and it would come back to me. And um, of course, that was denied that I never sent any of it. It's all in my attic. I have it. It's dated. It's there. There's baby stuff. It goes all the way up. So um, when. Um, the letters were coming. So in the first letter, they might have said that my daughter was into, say, Britney Spears, um, and that she loved going to football matches, and that she, her favourite colour was orange. So I would go and get Britney Spears stuff, orange stuff, and football stuff. I would send them. The following month, I would get a letter saying she hates Britney Spears. Now she likes Rihanna. Rihanna's the best thing ever. I would go down and I would get Rihanna stuff and I would send that. And I would then get back. Um, I, she doesn't like Rihanna anymore. She's moved to One Direction. So this was like a constant team. Um, so I was due to go for the Christmas assessment. Um, so I go for the Christmas assessment. Now this is court ordered. So I go in anyway to the therapist. And now, this therapist had said to me in the beginning, um, you must feel really bad. Your husband traded up for a younger model, right? And I just looked at him. I'm a very independent person, very uh, confident person. I looked at him and I said, well, I said, you know, you can drive a Bentley or you can drive a Ford car, Ford Fiesta or whatever it was. Um, so I said, I'm the Bentley. So I said, we'll see how well she ages. So he was trying to shake me from the start, but it didn't work. So he then, um, he then placed my daughter and um, my ex-husband in a different room to me uh, before we went in. So when we went in, they were coming from a different room and I was um, coming from a different room. In the waiting area so i said well why would that be the case we're both waiting to see you Um, therapeutically that's not how it's done what message is that sending to my child if she has to stay in another room away from me while she's waiting to go into another room with me eventually um so it like that it stunk it just stunk um it stunk of everything so it did I was a lay at that stage, so I wasn't going to give this man any more money other than the money that he was getting from me at that particular time. But if he his other part, the other client, he was um he had a solicitor and a barrister. So them solicitors and barristers, he was going to get more business out of them. So the tos and fro's of it all was um she still didn't want to see me, wanted nothing to do with me. Um so, the Christmas pack that I would have sent to her, so I had Rihanna perfume and had body lotion um a pajamas in it, there was an iPhone in it um so i and it was like face clean and stuff now at this stage, she's like in her teens um so at this stage she's in her teens, and my two nieces now at this stage are one is seven and the other's just born, okay so the seven year old and the smaller the smaller lady um um would would have been with me getting the pajamas and the the bits and pieces the moisturizer cleansers so when we're there i'm told I make the child feel dirty because I have her stuff to clean herself with um, i I'm making her feel fash because the pajamas I gave her was a size twelve and she's a size eight and i'm like I start defending myself. I'm like, well, all children that age loves them things. And the pyjamas is like, okay, it's a size 12, but we all know that we wear our pyjamas as big and sloppy. I haven't seen this child in five years. Going on six years, I'm just judging on the size of my friend's children. And um, I say to myself, no, stop. Stop defending yourself. And I got up and I walked out and I was told to sit back down as court ordered. And I went to the judge and I said to the judge, I can't do this any longer. I've done it for nearly six years. My own mental health is, is really bad. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to fix it. People aren't asking, why is the child saying this? I And like the reason the child was saying it, that's all the, the ancillaries, all that stuff is there, right? But when he actually took the child and got the child, he looked for 75% of my home because that's what was ordered to me because the child resided with me. He looked for 500 euros maintenance a month. And that's because that's what was ordered in when, when we had separated, he looked for all of those things. I said I'd send her to private education where, I was thinking I won't see her, but he'll have less communication with her because his hatred for me at this point was greater than his love for his child. And I thought if I had her in a boarding school, at least she'd only be subjected to him a small amount of the time. Um, but like, it, it was like, so he got the money. And when he got the money, he, had, he took the child to get the money. Then he wanted more than the money. He wanted more than the house. He wanted maintenance. Then he wanted maintenance off my partner. Um, I had got sick. I wasn't able. Um, um, I had I'd given up my my businesses. Um, I, I sold my businesses to the girls that worked for me. Um, he then wanted money from my, my partner who I was married to uh, at this stage. Um he you know he just wouldn 't stop and um, then there was an application put in again, so like the high court said that they as far as they could see, I had done nothing wrong to my daughter, that I loved her, I was coming from a place of love and warmth and um, that both parents loved her is what they said but at this stage they're unable to reconnect us and but they would like us to be reconnected but they didn't make any orders but that wouldn't matter because there had been 56 orders made previous to that that he didn't he didn't comply with so the legal system at that time was very very difficult and very difficult if you were a lay litigant now As I said to you, it was back in Ireland and it was rare that a mother would be removed from its child's life back in Ireland them days. And the fathers in Ireland would have had a really hard time because women were seen to be the loving, caring, nurturing people. But you know what? The fathers would have had a really hard time all along. And then I met up with some fathers and they couldn't believe, um, I met up with some parent groups and they couldn't believe that this was happening, that I was being treated the way I was. But you, that's the legal side of it. The mental side of it is very difficult because you have this child that you would like jump out of a burning building for and you're told you can't touch it. You have this child that you look at your friends and your friends have holy communions and your friends have confirmations and they have birthdays and they have Christmases. And you have nothing. You're left with absolutely nothing. Um, And when I was left with absolutely nothing, they looked for her passport. That was the only thing that I held. Her passport was given to them. Um, Everything was given. Um, Maybe I was. Extremely unlucky, maybe something as serious and as bad as this had to happen to a good person to try and change the system and to make people aware of what happens. And that when your kids tell you they hate you, they don't want to see you again, you're bad, you're this, you're that, your dogs are disgusting, your car is disgusting, you are disgusting. That's not the children talking, that is um, the children protecting themselves. But you know something, Marianne, it took me a long time to come to, that's not my child talking, saying that. I was like, how could she do that? She was so loved, she was so cared for, she was an only child, an only grandchild for such a long time. And my two nieces would always say, she's missing out. Um, um Like, my youngest niece now is the same age that she was when she left. And like, they would say, um, that she's missing out, that they are getting spoiled um, because she's not here. And yes, they would be getting spoiled because she's not here, but they would be inspired anyway. But it's the hurt and it's the lies and it's, it's the system allowing people to denigrate you. I mean, I went into that labor ward. It was me that pushed that child out. It was me who cared for her. Um, i 'm not saying the father is any less, but I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I knew he was a good daddy. I knew that it was no problem, and to this day, I would have said he was a good daddy. but what good daddy takes his child to a private person to write a report about the person who did do all of those things and who looked after her? I used to come home from work before we broke up, and she would be in her in her in her nappy you he call them diapers. She would be in her nappy and she would It would be heavy. So mommies would know what this means. It would be heavy. That means that the nappy hasn't been changed in a long time. I would come in from work on a Saturday and he would be playing on a PlayStation. And I would say, Jesus Christ, you haven't changed the child's nappy in ages. And he'd say, I did. And I'd say, well, you didn't because the weight of it. Um, So like he was able to do all of that for money. So he got the big share out of the house. He didn't get maintenance because the judge said, excuse me, this woman is well capable of minding her child. You are getting no child support. She is there able to mind her child. You're not getting nothing. So he didn't get that. Um, But like, she is now 22 years of age. And the last time I brushed her hair and kissed her goodbye, was on the 15th of march 2008 going to school and that was it because the child that was with me for the two weeks was a child i didn't recognize or know because everything we lived in a beautiful home everything in our home was disgusting and the house that she was living in with me would have been far um superior to the house that she was living in with him Um, um everything in our home was fabulous, everything was clean. Um, I would have had a great sense of um my home and the way I would present myself. Everything the child had was, you know, second to none. Her friends would have been jealous because they saw me as a pushover. Um she, all she had to say is there's a new game I want it. If she didn't get it for me, she'd ring her granddad and he would give it. And then that's another thing. It's not only just me that has no relationship with her. So her grandfather, her aunts, her nieces, uh, her cousins, should I say, um, my friends, um, my cousins, my uncles got married late in life and he would have kids that would have been about two years older than my daughter and they would have played with her. So it's the extended family as well. So if I'm such a bad person, okay. If I was the, the villain in this story, okay, but what about her granddad, her cousins, her aunt, her, uh, my cousins, which were small little people as well. So like, even my uncle's children were like deemed not to be talked to. My best friend was a primary school principal. Um, Her daughter used to mind my daughter when I'd go to the movies or if I was going on a night out with the girls or, you know, Even that girl, she wouldn't even talk to her either. So it's a complete erasure. Everybody that is connected to you, let it be a priest, let it be a doctor, anybody that was ever connected with you is just taken out. And the court system at that time was really bad. There are some changes now. Um, There are some changes now but very slow changes, I'm afraid. But like, I have been left with no child, so I don't get Mother's Day um, cards. I don't get Mother Day presents. I don't get birthday presents. I don't get, I love you. I don't get, I've been having a bad day. I don't get, I've had my first period. I don't get, I've had my first breakup. And mm-hmm. um, I don't get, uh, what course will I do in college? Um, I get snippets from strangers that might say to me, oh, we heard your daughter was doing this or doing that. That's all I get. I have a court file that cost me 88,000 euros in money and cost me, I'd say, 20 years of my life. Um, yeah, so that's what I was left with, Marianne.
0: Mm. You know, when she was saying to you, I'm in fear of my life. Yeah. Why why didn't they pick up on that? That's an adult phrase. Yeah. Because that's what mine were doing. Uh, And it's like, don't you get it? Because my ex was doing the same thing. He would have the kids on his time and take them to family counseling. However, family counseling should include the other parent. (laughs) And there they are. He's feeding a line to the psychologist while he was also reading court orders and transcripts with the psychologist to the child, and somehow that makes it all right. Yeah, this is what people are getting away with. And these judges, I don't know if they're not picking up on this. You also had a change of judge, and uh, I, you know, four judges, okay, so. You know, you wonder about the collusion, were they paid off? You don't know what was going on behind the scenes also. You know, in my case, the opposing attorney was BFFs with the judge. So there it was. And, um, you know, when you dropped her off at school and then she wasn't, couldn't you file like kidnapping charges or some people may have questions about that?
1: Yeah. They don't know. No. Not in Ireland. That wouldn't work because it's a parent. So um what should have happened was a breach of order and the child should have been returned. And when I went to get her, that's what happened because I had the order, because it had happened to me before and I, I didn't have the correct order, but I made sure in having the correct order that time. But even like say if I went and said, Well, I'm due to have her now, here's my court order it still wouldn't happen. Um, Like he even brought her to the courthouse. So I was 30, I was 34, 35, 34 when I first ever was in a courthouse for anything in my life. And he had no problem bringing that child to the courthouse at the age of 10 or 11. And when I was in the court that day, I had to say to the judge, see, so there's a call over. I don't know how it works in America, but there's a call over. And they go saying, they say, all right, we'll see that family in this room and that family in another room. So at the call over, they said that they had the child here, but I had seen her. And I said to the judge, I said, no, I said, my daughter is not coming into this court. It was bad enough that I had to come in at the age of 35. I said, Um, She is not coming in here to stand up and tell you how much she hates me. We know what she's going to say. What we need to find out is why is she saying that? Why is she saying these things? Um, So in Ireland, the mother's voice at that time had a stronger voice than the court. So I said no, she wasn't coming in. And under the constitution here in Ireland, they couldn't allow the child to talk if I had said no, she cannot be brought into the court. So I did that. Um, And of course the judges didn't like the fact that I was a lay litigant and I was standing up to them. Mm -hmm. And like I was questioning them and pushing them and saying, but why is the child saying this? Why is she saying this? Nobody wanted to know the why, nobody. And again, I suppose like what you say, were they paid off? I don't know if they were paid off, but I do know that there's a certain clique of solicitors that. They would say, okay, we have five families here now, guys, so I'm up against you on this case, so you let me win this one, I'll win the next one. And they were pooling their resources together, so they all were coming out with the same amounts of money, but the families were suffering. Now, in, in my case, um, his solicitor particularly didn't like the fact that I was, I had tenacity and that I was like, you know, I was a businesswoman and I was going to fight my corner and I did, but it didn't do any good, no more than being quiet didn't do any good either.
0: Exactly. It was, it, This is really strange because um, I I used to be a businesswoman as well, tenacious and the judges didn't like me either. And believe it or not, our kids are the same age. And, um, you know, I, it's like when this was happening with the um, these comments these kids throw at you, I was getting like, why are you using that base cream? You should be using something better than that. Or, you know, <laughs> or your, your your false eyelash is falling off over there. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I mean, you would get degrading comments. It was like almost living with an abusive boyfriend. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's like, um, you, I didn't know what to think of that. I didn't know that um, the child was being brainwashed at such an early age. I didn't know. You don't what, see it. No, you don't, because I, do. I did not know what parental alienation was when no. the child was eight years old.
1: No, neither did I like and because we don't think like them we never think that the children were saying these because it was um, a strategy to actually like degrade you and to make them feel that they had to pick sides because I would never have said that when she would have won competitions I would have said do you want to ring your dad right because my partner wouldn't have the same wouldn't look on it as the same and it was it's not that i wanted him in my life but her father would be as proud as her as i would be um and it would be like like as i said i gave him the benefit of the doubt that he was a good person that he would he would be he would be good to her he was like in relationship no um. but i knew he would be good to her so when the child would come back to me and say our dogs aren't purebreds i'm like they're the first thing that you laughed at as a baby, um, like you laughed. They were the first thing when you were only like six months old. You used to laugh at them catching the ball. It doesn't matter whether the dog is a purebred dog or not. You love those dogs. Suddenly we had to get a King Charles Cavalier with wow. papers coming out of its ears. Do you know? And mm-hmm. um, and I had a good car. I did drive a good car, um, but it wasn't good enough. Do you know um if i brought her um shopping and got her uh, trousers or her underwear her knickers she started saying i don't want them such a person always buys me gap ones and i'm like well that's great but there's no gap where we live do mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. Um everything that we do is wrong and the only the only the only thing as well um I suppose um, I have very good reports from the independent people that were working on the case. And if she does come back, um, it would be there for her. Now, I did have a friend who died a while back and she was in her late 70s. And she had to leave Ireland in the 70s and she went to America to live. She too was also alienated from her children back in the 70s in Ireland, which was very strange, wouldn't have been talked about. But that woman gave me a shred of advice. She said to me, when she comes back, she will come back. When she knocks on that door and she wants a row with you, you say, "Sorry dear, I'm off out for a drive, I'm off out for a walk. Do you know what? I had rows for you for many years. You want to take the file, take the file and read it. But if you want to talk to me, you come back and we talk. There's no fighting." And she said, you know, that they will say the cruelest of things to us like i'm in fear of my life like where did she hear that she was coached the mm-hmm. second report said she was coached the third report said she was coached do you know I'm um, i'm in fear of my life i'm at risk that was another one i'm at risk mm-hmm. i'm at risk at risk of what Mm-hmm. At risk of being overindulged. At, you know, at risk of what? Right. And when she was asked to elaborate on, in the independent reports, when she was asked to elaborate on, I'm in fear, she couldn't elaborate. When she was asked, um, you're at risk, what were you at risk of? She couldn't elaborate on. Mm. Do you know? So, like, um, and we, we wouldn't have seen it. I wouldn't have seen it because... Another thing was happening as well. When she did go to her father, she used to bring in bits and pieces out of our house to his house, and I wasn't paying any attention. It was only when she was gone I was like, "Well, that's not here, and that's not there, and that's, you know." And then, um, when you sit back and you look at all the things that were said to you over the length of time, and you add it all up, and you go, "That's why she was saying that, and that's why she was doing that." Um, and she used to cry then sometimes, and she'd hold her head down and she'd say. You know, it's, something that it's very hard to be good all the time. It's harder to be good than it is to be bad. It's easy to be bad. And I'd be like, where's this coming from? And like, we don't see it. And the reason we don't see it is because we're not looking for it because we're not bad people. And we're just wondering where this is coming out of.
0: I knew, you know, I kind of had an inkling how this you know is evolving, but until it actually, you were actually in a courtroom and you're thinking, you know, the judge is going to see the, the facts and the truth, because I I had had a, an emotional abuse indication on me, so that's how I lost my job because you can't work with kids if you have an indication on you. Okay, so I went to the CPS judge and we had. A hearing and he exonerated me because when he questioned the oldest and said what about this what about that and there were no answers like like you said there there was no explanation given oh I made these remarks but there's couldn't answer to it so he said you know there's pieces missing out of this puzzle so he I was exonerated but the family court judge didn't care. He was still continuously calling me emotionally abusive and a danger to my kids. Even though I had a psychological evaluation stating that there, I'm not in any way, shape or form a danger to my kids. They believe what they want to believe. I go ahead.
1: Yeah. You, but you'd wonder like, cause like it's even like, like say like you are cost speeding. So in Ireland, I don't know what it's like with you, but in Ireland, say, say you're on a road and it's a hundred miles an hour. So you're doing 110 miles an hour. So I get caught doing 118. You get caught doing 126. I go to court and I get charged. I get fined three grand for doing 116. You go and you're doing 126. They say to you 500 euros. So there's no consistency Uh -uh. with any of the courts. There is no consistency. I will say that my last judge, he was very nice, but it had gone far too far too long. He gave me a 16 page judgment, lip service I would call it, Mm -hmm. um, telling me how grand I was, how wonderful I was, and how sorry he was that he couldn't do this. And I was in the woods and I couldn't see the trees. Uh, Yeah, of course I was in the woods. Uh, My child was ripped, literally ripped away from me Um, and like unjustified at that. And like you say, like if they put a charge against you as being um, a child, a person who would abuse children, that can tarnish your reputation and it can stick. And there might be 10 people that would say, no, absolutely not. But there's always 25 people saying, well, there's something there. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how long it goes. People will say there's something there. Um, and a child, it's out of the mouths of babes, and a child wouldn't say that. And I just say, well, a child might tell you that they want a doll for Christmas from Santa, I said. And you go and you get the doll for Santa. And next thing, two weeks before Christmas, they say, well, actually, I want a bike. Mm-hmm. So, like, children change their minds on lots of different things and they changed their minds. And, and like, I suppose for her to behave the way she has behaved towards me, it's probably a compliment because she probably knows that if she came back tomorrow, that, that her mummy would open her arms for her, which I would know more than you would, I'm sure. Um, But it does make you very cynical and it makes you very cautious and you feel you have to do an awful lot of work on yourself um, and not be a victim. But like you have to survive this and you have to do an awful lot of work on yourself and small things don't matter to me anymore. If somebody asked me to go to a party, I'd say, well, if I fail to it, I'll be there. I would never say yes to anything more. Um, I just do what I want now. Um, yeah, and as regards kids and stuff like that, I love kids, and um, I love kids, um, but I love their funny side. I love the stuff they come out with. Um, I don't, I, I don't engage with children. I keep a distance from children, mm-hmm. because you never know when somebody's going to say something, and you know, next thing, oh sure, her own child was taken from her, and what have you. Mm-hmm. But like funny things like that, um, Marianne, maybe you, you the same? Like, I mean. I don't know if she asked her father what was my first words. I don't know, would he be able to say what she called bananas? Um, um, I know all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I don't think he would because he was never there for those things. Um, um, About like her first tooth falling out. Um, You know, all of those things that he can't take from me. So like I said to you, I was left with nothing i am left with memories i'm left with good memories and i'm left with bad memories i'm left with memories that he can't fill in for her um like like he doesn't know her her school what she wrote for her school um what she wanted to be when she grew up i have all that because they were in 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 bags and boxes when we moved so like her favorite thing in life was her mammy was written down at the age six my favorite what do you want to be when you grow up i want to be a hairdresser like my mammy um you know um there was no mention of daddy on any of those things Mm -hmm. um you know, we were joined at the hip and I went around for the first, I'd say two years when I'd go in to do the shopping, I'd, I'd go in and I'd forget what I wanted to buy. Um, I'd go in and I'd say, there's something missing. Or I had loads of extra money in my purse. And I'd be like, why have I all this money? And the reason I had all the money was because um, she wasn't there. And I was spending huge amounts of money on her and she, there was loads of money and then I didn't know what I was buying and then you'd you'd stand in the aisle of supermarket and you'd look at something that she'd eat and you'd end up having to put the basket down go out and cry and drive home and just cry um I had no sleep for 10 years um I couldn't sleep um I neglected my body um it's a good job I didn't drink because I think I would have become an alcoholic or I didn't take drugs. I did take up smoking. Um, but yeah. And it hardens you somewhat. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be mindful of, you know, don't let it take away everything. Like, yes, she is your child and yes, she was your world, but there are other people in your world as well that are important. Um, but like I cannot do Christmas, and with the pandemic this year was awful. I didn't get to go to the sun. I normally go to the sun. <coughs> when people would say to me, "Have you kids?" I'd say, "Yeah, grown up, gone away, don't want to know." Us. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's the way I would say it. Um, because other than that, you're into like you know comparing and what have you, and you've nothing to compare with. Um, you don't know what they're doing in college, and like if somebody asked me, "What your daughter doing in college?" Um rather than saying, I don't obviously I can't say I don't know, I just say, oh, well, she's into art. She's very arty. She's doing art and interior design because that's what I would be into myself. Um so I would just say that um, and it's not that you're lying to people. It's just that you just you're on holidays. You don't want to go into that. Um, I feel everybody that goes away at Christmas is running away from something. And um, mm-hmm. we used to put three Christmas trees up. Um, You Americans, you're very big on Christmas. You have mm-hmm. loads of decorations. Ireland wouldn't have been as big as that back then. But my house was as big as America back then. Mm-hmm. There was three trees. There was a tr- hard tree was had all her decorations. And I remember after five years, I said I can't do it. Like I couldn't do pop the Christmas trees, but they were up in the attic. The stuff was in the attic. I got all the stuff down. Her stuff, everything, my stuff, um, my partner's stuff, everything, all the different trees designs. Everything was put in a box, brought away and sold uh, on a market. I literally gave the stuff away because I couldn't look at it. I couldn't look at those things. Um, I wasn't able to look at any photographs of her for a long, long time. Um, I would cry at her birthday. I would cry the day before I was having her. I would feel the labor pains. I would look at the photographs and see all the fun times and then I'd go into, my head would go into a spin and I'd be crying, crying, crying. And I just had to look into myself and try and change that. Now, I'll be raw after this today because it's after bringing up lots. But I'm so sorry. Yeah, you no, know, no. It's good because people need to realize that their kids are coming home and saying awful things to them and they think, God, am I an awful person or what did I do? Or It's not, not what you've done. It's what the others are doing. It's what the other parent is putting into the into the child. And it takes a long time for you to accept that you are where you are. It takes a long time to accept I'm not going to have the communions. I'm not going to have Mother's Day. I'm not going to have Christmas. I'm not going to have a grandchild maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I have um, thought
0: about that as well. Um, when mine left, she was older. We're talking probably 16 going on 17. So okay you know she 's got to remember the the good times and the memories we had together i 'm thinking you 've got to have some type of memory of this, but I find um, even with my younger ones, memories are being washed away and But where was I going with this <laughs> isn 't this terrible I, you, you lose your train grandchildren. Of thought. yes, and I was thinking you know I, I had a friend over yesterday, and she said that her son just had you know a grandchild and um, and I, I had to put on my Oscar award-winning performance yeah. saying, oh, yeah. that's great, congratulations!" oh, what's his name, you know, and that's, I feel, I feel yeah. like, you know, um, yeah. oh, in fact, this is what I was going to tell you, was that I would say a couple years ago, um, when I was still living in the same town, a woman approached me and said, oh, you have, you know, this older daughter, and I I didn't want to get into it, because, man, I was raw out of family court,
1: yeah,
0: and I didn't want to just, you know, it's like you want to run away. No way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I just looked at her and put on another Oscar award-winning performance and said, I don't know what you're talking about. I just have the other, you know, two. And she goes, no, you do. I said, I don't know. I said, maybe you got the wrong person. I, (laughs) you know, I don't know how I pulled it off, but then I slinked away, you know. Yeah, we get good at it. Yeah, it's terrible. It's really terrible. And um, now, like you said, you just say, well, they, you know, they're all in college and, you know, empty nest. Yeah, it's easy at this age. Yeah, it's very uh, unfortunate. And I was telling my, I, I have remarried. And that's also what started it off this big problem. Yeah. yeah. And I said to him, I said, well, we have to look yeah, at, the, at the positives. You know, like I I really think um I think Sheila, you should write a book. <laughs> have, have people told you that.
1: Yeah, they have, but I don't know would anyone in Ireland write it. They'd be too controversy. They'd know it's such a small place that would they'd run away from it, you know? Um yeah, there's two guys in Ireland who actually wrote a book. They're called um they wrote a book called Don't Hug Your Mother. It's a very good read, very easy read. Um two boys a uh, family of three, um they were alienated from their mum, and um years down the road they went back to their mother, they're in their forties now. It's called Don't Hug Your Mother. Um, you get it on Amazon, it's about nine dollars probably. And um, really good read because it tells you why the kids say what they said. Because these are two adults now. I've met them, I've done an interview with them. Um they would um to, they, they talk about the things that they said to protect themselves so they would have said to me they wanted to talk to me because I was the mother that they never had I was the mother that was left like their mother and they didn't want to ask her the questions so they would say that they would say an um, um, envelope would come in with a birthday card they would tear it up and because they would tear it up they would get a treat if they didn't tear it up they would get locked into a room, um, they, if they denigrated mum, they would get something nice. If they didn't denigrate mum, they wouldn't get something nice. So it was um, a way for them to survive living with their father. Um, but um, I just say when when dads would ring, I would say, do you know what, um, get that book and reverse it. You you're, put yourself as the dad. Just look at the context of what the children are saying. And um, you'll understand where they're coming from. And mm-hmm. I suppose part of my road to healing would have been reading that book as well and meeting those two guys. Um, um yeah, part part of definitely I'd say I'd say a good lot of my road to recovery was looking at that book and seeing what the lads um have said in it and like they are professional adults now as well themselves. Um but like it's very it's very hard when 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 you're met with that and you see your friends having the birthday parties having the having the, um, having the grandchildren and all that like one of my dear friends she um her daughter won the Rose of Tralee I'm sure you know the Rose of Tralee and she was living in England at the time London she was the London Rose and she won the Rose of Tralee and she was gone for about a week. And my friend said to me, Do you know something? I miss her. I don't know where she is. Mm. And um I'm sitting there and at that point my daughter was gone three years and I just started to cry. And I said, Do you know what you're after saying? You're after saying that your 24-year-old is gone and you don't know where she is, but you know that she's with her boyfriend after winning the Rose Tree, and you know she's in a hotel and you can pick up the phone and call her, but you're choosing not to because you're giving her space. I said I haven't touched or smelt my eight year old in three years. And you sit there and you say that to me. And then when I said that to her, she was very conscious and she would be conscious still. But like when you see the grandchildren and you see the fun she's having with her grandchildren and like, I don't know, will I ever have a grandchild? Mm -hmm. Nor do you. So (laughs) it's just, um, yeah, it's just really sad, I suppose.
0: And it's not normal. It's like, I'm thinking, you sit here and you go, this is not normal. And, you know, going back into the courtroom, when they take the kids and sequester them with the judge and the two attorneys, and um, when the judge came out and he said that the oldest was very mature, and uh, he's going to rule in favor of the father, I'm going, I wonder what was said. Obviously, everybody was coached and i think parents need to realize that there's coaching going on and it's not don't blame yourself you know
1: no i suppose um there's one thing i probably would have said would i do anything differently um i think that when the order was made that she go live with her dad and then see me at weekends i think if i had my time again i think i would have barricaded myself into the house or I would have got on the Euro tunnel and crossed Europe and just disappeared mm-hmm. with her. Um, and that would have been right kidnapping. But if I had been strong and if I had known what was heading down the road, I left it to the professionals. I thought that they would see what was going on. Um, the, the report that actually got my daughter taken away from me in the first place wasn't court ordered. Um, they just decided to do this and it should never have been accepted, never have been accepted. Um, I, ha- I filed to the European um, Human Rights Court um, as well. And um, it came back failed on one base. And that was that my solicitor at the time did not appeal it to the high court in time. I had to appeal it myself and that's why it failed so these procedural errors shouldn't be because children are children and they're only small for a certain length of time Mm -hmm. so paperwork errors should not come into it um like that is just absolutely ridiculous to say it wasn't appealed and i'm like but that was like seven years ago, I mean, that doesn't really matter. What matters is this child has no relationship with me or her extended family. That's mm-hmm. what should matter um, wrongly or, you know, like, I mean, I could understand if I had done something, it probably would be easier if I had done something because I wouldn't care anyway. But the fact that I did care and do care and care about all the rest of the children that are coming on. I mean, it's, it's probably too late for me and you, but I mean, People need to be aware that they see them as money, as assets. And mm-hmm. with that book that I was telling you about with those two boys, their mother left the family home and the father was left in the family home as well. So it is about the assets and it is about money at the end of the day mm-hmm. and who is the stronger team.
0: Right, right. And um, it's it's a shame that it's really kids for cash,
1: really. Absolutely. Yeah. There's somewhat a little bit of change in Ireland at the moment. Um, it's starting to change. Um, do you know, they could make it an awful lot simpler. They could say, right, you have one mother, you have one father. Is your mother feeding you? Is your mother looking after you? Is your mother slapping you? Is she not slapping you? If she's slapping you, where's the bruises? If she's doing these things to you, where are the bruises? Okay, is your dad slapping you? Is your dad doing this to you? Is your dad doing that to you? Is your dad feeding you? And if all the, the essential needs are being met, it should be said, right, you're with your mum one week and with your dad the half. We can't, we can't split them in half. And it's not their fault that we break up our marriage or whatever. And we want balanced individuals at the end of it. I mean, I don't know how balanced my lady is going to be. I mean, she could be crazy for all I know. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly know that she was speaking to somebody recently. Um, There was um, a conference on in Trinity College and there was some people from America over and there was people from Canada over. Mm -hmm. And um, Brian O'Sullivan was doing the conference. And I do know that um, she contacted somebody to see was my YouTube uh, documentary going to be on that I was talking about her um, and that I was a a child abuser and um, that I child abused her. I would like her to tell me the definition of child abuse Mm -hmm. because in the file I have, there is not one bruise, not one hair on her head, not one anything out of place. So I would like her to see a really truly abused child When I see the ads on the television, I don't know what you have over there. We have a a place called Bernardo's here and it's for children that like have no food. They're sitting in a house, their parents are drug addicts. um, The kids are left sitting with no clothes. They're in excrement, all of that. I would love her to go in and see what a true abused child looks like Mm -hmm. because it would be an eye opener for her. or like i don't know what her personality is like um you know i just don't know and then i look and i say well there mustn't be much of me in her because if there was she'd be asking questions as to why this happened and why did the court do that and that's why i have all the paperwork there in in a a big mad case that you'd bring skiing the case is that big right Um, because like this young one was skiing in Austria on the top of Kitts Bullhorn at the age of six, seven, eight um, in Disneyland um, all of these times in every five-star hotel in Ireland. And I remember going to New York without her for five days. Well, I'll tell you, I was crucified for it. Crucified! The only holiday she wasn't with me was a five-day trip to New York and I was crucified for it,
0: which mm-hmm.
1: you would yeah. like them to see truly abused children and see see what it looks like and say, mm-hmm. was your childhood like that? Because here's a box of photographs that tells me it was anything but like that.
0: Right. Yeah. Everything's a lie.
1: Yeah. It's- and don't get me wrong. You don't have to have loads of money. The, the judge sent us on a parenting course. We went on this parenting course together and um, there was parents there and my ex was there and he was going on and saying, imagine she won't spend money on her, she takes her to the woods. Now I used to spend money on her, but you don't have to spend money on them. Like I have in, 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 in the video that's up on YouTube, you will see a little paper thing. And we would go to the woods and we would collect uh, leaves and stuff and we would bring them home and we would dry them and she would make bookmarks, and she would give them as presents to people, as bookmarkers and like they were saying oh it's all right for you when we're in the parent course because you ha- you're working and i'm not working i said there is loads of things you can do you can make play-doh with the kids they mm-hmm. prefer making it than buying it um you know um like i used to teach her how to make buns uh biscuits stuff like that and like you don't have to have a huge amount of money to be a good parent. Um. Um, I would say to people, don't indulge them, because the more you indulge them, the more they want. And she was very indulged. And it's only now I see how spoiled she was.
0: Well, same here, because when I read, read the transcript of that day and what she was telling the judge, I was mortified. And um, you, I don't know. I just I was just horrified. And I even read the transcript to my parents because my mother needed, needed to have her eyes opened up to see what was, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the age of reason is about seven years old, I was always told. They should know right from wrong. Why are, you, why are you making things up to a judge? But it's like the judge should be asking, okay, who drove you here? And what did they tell you to tell me? Yeah, These yeah. judges are not even questioning the child being coached. That's what I, I'm i really disturbed with.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then when they get a report saying that the child is using adult, adult team language and adult responses, I mean, when they see that written by a professional, when you think that they'd say, well, hold on, there's something going on here. and treat mm-hmm. it like a murder investigation, as it should be. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, turn every stone. And maybe, but, they. they oh go ahead no but they're not doing that Mm -hmm. and I don't know why they're not doing it is because they're overrun or is the system so badly broken I just don't know I mean and dragging it out and dragging it out now there has been a new thing I don't know would it affect yourselves um it's a, a Moldova decision that was made where it says that um all the family law cases, if there's um, alienation at play here that it's dealt with and dealt with immediately and quickly. And I think in my case, because it was left go so long Mm -hmm. and because there was so many different reports required and at the end of the day, the reports like said the same thing. Like, I mean, I wasn't a danger to her. And when they get them reports, they don't want them. So they kept going to see could they find somebody who would say I was unreasonable. Um, you know, and like that, the person that did the last report um, was being paid for um, by, like and engaged by solicitors who were going to give him repeat business. And in Brian O'Sullivan's practice, um, he takes the attitude. He's not interested in whether you're a male or a female. His Mm. attitude is, it's the children. And where all all reason is left outside, when you hear a child saying, I don't want to be with that dad because he makes me eat um, avocados and toast. I don't want to be with my mum because she makes me eat avocados and toast. They're not valid reasons for rejecting a parent and you can't parent with your hands behind your back. You have to be the adult. In my case, it was said to me, you make her go to bed at eight o'clock. I said, yeah, I make her go to bed at eight o'clock. She has to be off the floor at eight o'clock because, first of all, she's young. Second of all, she needs her sleep for her school. And if she doesn't sleep, she's going to be grumpy. And I need my time to myself. I'm after working all day. I'm after coming in and doing childish things with her. Then I have to prepare her lunch for the next day. I have to make sure that my clothes are ready for work in the morning. And you need your own time. So like, what is wrong with putting a child to bed at eight Mm o'clock? I mean, I I don't get that and i was condemned for putting her to bed at eight o'clock i was condemned for making her hoover the sitting room one sitting room every sunday emptying the dishwasher that was an everyday occurrence but like i mean i don't think i didn't ask her to empty the dishwasher at three years of age or four years of age or five years of age or six years of age am, um, you know I mean, when I was her, when I was nine years of age, I was pulling out a twin tub. I don't know if you know what they are. They're a horrible washing machine where you have to put the clothes in in one area. You have to take them out with your hands and put them into a spinner thing. And I was making dinners for my dad at nine years of age. I mean, nowadays, children would not be allowed near an electric cooker at nine years mm-hmm. of age. And I was like, like a really good mother and like so much so that when she left they rang to know would i give them the ingredients to make shepherd's pie i said i certainly will not send her home and i'll give her shepherd's pie mm-hmm. i was told i was a bad mother because i wouldn't give the ingredients to make the shepherd's pie i said mm-hmm. only mammies can make that mm-hmm. so it doesn't really matter what you do Um right. it doesn't really matter what you do and um, and the same for the dads i mean the dads get it as well i think they get a little bit harder because they say that we are like violent to the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it's a mother going against a dad, they use sexual allegations and they are actually so much harder to clear yourself of than abusive like parenting or like slapping them or beating them or whatever, because there's bruises or there's no bruises. But when it comes to sexual allegation, I mean, it's horrendous for fathers Mm -hmm. when mothers do that. And it needs to be seen that like this is not like mothers against fathers or fathers against mothers. There are, there was that idea in Ireland, all mothers like stick together and all fathers stick together. And I said, guys, it's about the children. It's not about whether you're a man or a woman. It's mm-hmm. about our future. It's about our grandchildren. It's about our children having broken up relationships. It's about what this is going to do to them. And I will put this out there to my daughter um, she may not hear this podcast, but I would put it out to her. And if she comes back to me, I will say to her, I think you should sue the government, the Irish mm-hmm. government for what they did. They made a decision, a serious decision that erased one half of your family out of your life. Mm -hmm. and i think you should sue the irish government and i think that if we had children that would sue the irish government they would be quick to make a change the same way in ireland where we had the homes that children were put into years ago and a lot of those children as you said children for cash in ireland years ago we had children for cash as well we had them in 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 um religious organizations, Mm -hmm. they were shipped to America to be adopted to families in America and Canada. Um, It's the same thing. I mean, the state was wrong there. They're only putting their hands up now, 60 years later. Um, So do we have to wait till we're nearly 90 years of age? I'm 50 now. So do Mm -hmm. I have to wait till I'm nearly 90 years of age for the system to say, oh my God, we made a mistake. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that correctly. And I think that if there was a threat of our children, suing the government, soon the state, for putting them in a position where they had to choose one parent over the other, um, I think that that might focus their minds.
0: I agree. And I think we've got that going over here. Oh, have ye? Um, And I, I was just thinking, boy, I wish, my kids would talk to me because I would tell them to sue. Yeah. <laughs> they could Same be involving in money. Yeah.
1: yeah. And my lady loved money. So I mean, if I said to her, listen, dear, you could have a house mortgage free, you could have a car, you could have a swimming pool, you could have holidays. For them deleting your mother out of your life wrongly, because we have the reports that says that it was wrong. So like if we could do that, it would be great. Mm-hmm. So you have that going on over there, have you?
0: I have heard it's you know, it's starting. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how many people have come forward and sued. Um, you know, you hear these snippets, and I should, you know, screenshot them and, you know, put them in a file somewhere. But, um, yeah, I just, I hope that continues. I hope that goes on a big roll everywhere because it's, it's really a human rights violation.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the right of the child to have a relationship with both parents. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the UN has said they've said that the U- rights of human ch- to children. I mean, have, they've said that. But like, I mean, like that. If my child, if I even measure on the street, if I ever measure anywhere, I'd say, "Yes, I'm your mother. You hate me. Got that?" But you know what, dear? You need to sue the government for what they did. You have been wronged. Sue the state. Mm-hmm. You will make. Mint. I would love if she was the first child to do that mm-hmm. in this country.
0: And you can tell her that you have all the evidence.
1: I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely. do. So, yeah. Well, it's been I'm, emotional.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to like trigger you or, you know, make you no. have to relive all this. You know, I mean, interviews are like that. But um, how can people reach you if they want to... Ask you something or
1: so? Um, they can reach me by email. Um, it would I'll, they, I'll give you my email. Um, I think I've given it to you already. Yes, you have. And they could reach me through um, changes. um eu as well or changes.ie. So they could reach me on Brian O'Sullivan at changes.ie as I work for him with him. Mm-hmm. So they say with him okay um yeah so they could get me there as well um yeah so it's yeah it's 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 um it's my we also have um here's a um a site it's called parentalienation.eu um that's a platform that's out there as well and you have um changes um .eu as um. Uh, Ie actually that one is Ireland yeah changes to ie, um he has lots of stuff up on that there now, as well. Um, do you want to have a chat with him or? Yeah, I mean if he's
0: if he has time, I won't keep you guys long because I know it, it's getting late. You know for you guys too. I give him a shout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um if if he wants to talk for two minutes or five minutes, And then, yeah, that'd be great.
1: Okay. I I, I'll see is he around. Okay. Come on. And Marianne, another thing, um, if your listeners wanted to do a questions and answers. I could be available at another day to do question and answers if you, if that would be any good.
0: Okay. I can okay. offer that too.
2: Hi.
1: Hello. Hi. How did you get on?
0: Oh, we just had ourselves a conversation and I learned a lot and, uh, she's an amazing woman and has been through so much and she had a lot to offer our listeners. Okay. You know, it was just a Great. very, good, well, not a good learning. Well, how do you say it? A good learning experience. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yes. So, and I guess I was looking for, you know, any uh, closing remarks you would like to say or add?
2: Okay. In relation to pre nation generally or to in her, relation?
0: Or, or to her story <clears throat> too as well?
2: Um I'll, I probably can't speak too directly to Michelle's story per se, or does she use the name Michelle or Sheila?
0: Michelle, well I'm also calling her Sheila, so <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I suppose if there was something to say about Sheila's story, um I would say that um, that here in Ireland, historically there was an idea that parental alienation was only something that happened to men. And I think that Michelle or Sheila's lived experience um, demonstrates very, very clearly that parental alienation is not a gendered phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, Michelle's lived experience as well is consistent with um, many, many clients that I have who are also mothers. and so, to suggest that parental alienation is a gender phenomenon is inaccurate and misleading, in my view. Um, I suppose, in terms of, um, there's a there's a there's a flip side to that, Ann, and that is, is that uh, I'm also here in Ireland. I'm also seeing um, occasions where parents will try to use the construct of parental alienation to further um, abuse
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um, targets of parents mm-hmm. and I think it's incredibly important that there are informed practitioners in this space mm-hmm. who can use um, international evidence based best practice models to call those people out because it does a huge disservice to the genuine parents who are experiencing this phenomenon. Now, of course, that's not to say that, that's not a criticism of the construct of parental alienation. Any construct and any label can be misused and abused. But I think what's important is an enhanced um, awareness, enhanced education, and enhanced competence, competence, by informed practitioners in this space.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, uh, everyone needs to be educated. And I know a lot of ours are not educated at all in this parental alienation field. A lot of our, you know, the, the smaller psychologists, you know what I'm saying, that you take your children to, they don't know what this is.
2: Sure, um, I think there's a lot, I think a lot of practitioners, um, professionals and clinicians and academics and um, confuse the space by having public, what I would consider inappropriate public debates regarding the efficacy of the construct. I think it's healthy to have informed discourse and debate, but I don't think it's helpful that we have various individuals, agencies and organizations um, sabotaging the conversations um, to a point where uh, the families, the young people, the children in particular, um, are left alone without effective interventions in this space. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so, uh, luckily here in Ireland, luckily, fortunately, um, there does seem to be a significant minority of social, legal, and mental health practitioners who are um, determined um, to bring um, the evidence-based assessments and models of intervention and to bear on these cases, and not because of any gendered bias or prejudice, but because they want to, opt to they recognize and acknowledge it's a child abuse issue, and they wish to um, privilege the outcomes for these children across their lifespan. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's a transgenerational aspect to it too. So it's also about um, breaking um, transgenerational patterns that have emerged in generations past to the current one. Um, So fortunately, as I say, there are a significant minority of professionals here in Ireland who are willing to make the firm proactive evidence-based choices and decisions here to effectively intervene in these cases.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, If people can reach you, how can people reach
2: you? Yeah, absolutely. So my email is Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at changes c h a n g e s dot i e. Alternatively, they can visit our platform or my platform. It's called parentalalienation.eu. Um, that platform was set up specifically um, so that professionals and parents who may find themselves struggling with this dynamic, um, they can use that platform as a credible and um, credible source of information. Okay. so that they can begin the process of making informed choices and decisions as they navigate forward.
0: Okay, that's great. I just want to make sure your email is brian at changes.ie. Yes. Okay, good. Just so I have it right. Okay, well, I'm going to let you go. Enjoy your evening. <laughs> okay. So I appreciate you both coming on and talking about this and we're going to spread the word. You'll be on great. iHeart iHeartRadio and um, Apple iTunes <laughs> everywhere, um, <laughs> Buzzsprout <Okay. laughs> and Spotify everywhere. So,
2: okay,
0: i put on so, Twitter
2: too. Th- thanks so much for having me on there, Marianne.
0: Thank you so much. And Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again. And we will meet up again and maybe do a follow up podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much.
2: You're very welcome. Take care. You too. Bye bye.